Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. You may be seated. And I encourage you this morning to open your Bibles to Habakkuk. In fact, um, I, I'll come straight with you. You'll, you'll follow the message a little bit better if the Bible's right open in front of you on your lap today. And so I do encourage you to turn to Habakkuk. In fact, if someone can find the, the pew number, if you find that, let me know it. It's got to happen pretty quick. You got it? The 1428? Do we have a winner? I'm sorry. I'm going to get back on track here pretty soon. But in the Pew Bible, 1428, you'd find Habakkuk. You'll follow the message a little better uh, if we open the Scriptures together. And so, friends, as we turn to the, the Lord's Word, we turn to Him in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your Bible, we pray that you would open your Word to us and open us to your Word that we might see the face of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on every page. In Jesus' name, amen. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 18 to 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Amen. Attention, shoppers. What's the last time you heard that? On the, on the, you remember hearing that on the overhead system? Attention, I remember being a kid and being in Kmart and, and the, the uh, announcement would come on, attention shoppers, <laughs> right? The blue light special is about to begin. Attention shoppers. This week brings us to a very important day on our national calendar, a critical day for all Americans, a day that focuses all of our energy on what's most important. I'm talking, of course, about Black Friday. (laughs) And the liturgies of our culture are pushing us right towards it every time we turn on anything at all. Or maybe you're a Cyber Monday crowd, I don't know. I'd like to say I I don't participate at all, but I think I'm actually the worst kind of participant. No, I don't get up at 4 a.m. and rush the gates at Walmart or anything like that. In fact, I don't think I've ever bought a thing on Black Friday because I avoid it. But I'm the worst kind of participant in Black Friday because after it happens, I hear about all the great bargains that everybody found and all the great stuff they bought. And so that stuff sits in the back of my mind and a couple of weeks later when I'm actually doing my Christmas shopping, I go out looking for that same stuff that somebody else got for 30 or 40% cheaper than I'm going to pay. So I'm the worst kind of Black Friday shopper. I'm a Black Friday bargain regret shopper. 
which I think is what they were trying to do to me all along. But there's a phrase for bargain shoppers and online shoppers that you need to know. It's a, it's a Latin phrase. We love Latin phrases around here because they make us feel so smart. And so here's a Latin phrase for us again this week. Caveat emptor. Do you know what it means? Buyer beware. Watch out. What you're buying might not be what you think it is. What you're buying might look like leather, but it's actually a synthetic fake. What you're buying might not perform as advertised on the commercial at 4 a.m. Watch out. Caveat emptor. Buyer beware. Watch out for the synthetic imitation. We need the real thing. Friends, there's a lot of synthetic hope out there. There's a lot of synthetic trust, a lot of synthetic faith, a lot of offers for you to put your, your, your weight, your hope, your trust in something that isn't real. We've been studying Habakkuk, this prophet, and we've seen how God allowed Habakkuk to see the world the way it is and to pray openly about its brokenness. And God gave Habakkuk a vision, if you remember last week, a vision broad enough, large enough to lift his head over the wind and the waves and to see what's coming, the kingdom come. And God gave Habakkuk a courage and a, and a conviction to speak to the people and to tell them the truth and to encourage them to hold out hope even when things get very, very difficult. And today we see that Habakkuk, Habakkuk in his ministry, he began to see a competitor on the field. Something was in competition for the love and the knowledge and the trust of the one true God. And the people were settling for synthetic hope. He called it idolatry. Attention shoppers, look over here, buy this, reach out for this, grab onto this, get this, and you will be happy, you'll be secure. One of our confessions, the Heidelberg Catechism, it asks, what is idolatry? It is to imagine or possess, to imagine or possess something in which to put one's trust in place of or beside the one true God who has revealed himself in his word. Where do you put your trust? See, the problem with idols is that they promise freedom and then they put us in chains. They promise security and then they bind you down. Watch out for the idols. Attention shoppers, buyer beware. You don't need these in your life. You don't need these false gods. You don't need synthetic hope. Don't devote yourself to man-made gods. Break the idols before the idols break you. Habakkuk put it this way, verses 18 and 19 of chapter 2, of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman? What's it worth? What's it going to do for you? Or an image, look at this now, an image that teaches Lies. How many images? What good is it? What value? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He puts his faith in it. He puts his hope in it. He, 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 he puts his allegiance toward it. He trusts in it. That's where his faith is in his own creation. 
He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver, but there is no breath in it. There is no life there. There is no Holy Spirit there. There is nothing behind this creation that you are leaning on. Break the idols before they break you. And we read a passage like this in Habakkuk and about the the statues and the gold and the silver and we think, oh yeah, people used to worship statues and things. How weird. How, How oddly superstitious of them. I've read about that. It was interesting to be in Egypt in January and to go through the the halls of the Cairo Museum, Egyptian Museum of of, uh, History, and see all the ways that the ancients, they they found ways to to encapsulate these events or these phenomena, and and, uh, and, and they'd make these idols. They'd make these actual statues, you know, a a woman with a cow's face to represent fertility or a man with a crocodile head or something like that. and, and you think, wow, how strange, these craftsmen of, of old. And how sad we think with Habakkuk that they would actually bow down to them, that they would actually call out to them and expect them to do something for them in return for what they sacrificed. And stand before them in desperation and need and be met with nothing but cold silence, this stone face. I went with my dad to Kathmandu when I was a young man in Nepal and saw all the Hindu and Buddhist shrines and all the temples. And and I was amazed because I didn't think that people still offered these types of sacrifices. But in front of these statues, you'd see, well, you'd see chickens, you'd see uh, uh, flowers and and some money and and, uh, yak milk and things like that. And there were children who were starving nearby while the yak milk and the food spoiled in front of these uh, elephant god statues. I couldn't understand. How strange. How odd. How superstitious of these people. Good thing we don't have any idols (laughs) around here, right? Good thing we're all way past that. Listen, I think you know where I'm headed. No, we don't create statues and manufacture images to worship, but friends, we fashion our idols. We make them. Where do you put your trust? What do you treasure most? What makes life worth living? To lose this thing would cause you to want to stop living. What do you think about first in the morning? What do you think about last at night when you lay your head on your pillow? You say, if you're a Jesus follower, you say you trust in Jesus, where do you run when you feel insecure, when you feel threatened, when you're vulnerable, when things are shaking? Where do you reach? Where do you rest your hope? Where do you go in place of the one true God? We fashion our idols. The first two of the Ten Commandments are about idolatry. I don't think that expires. Two out of ten, you and I, we are just as vulnerable to this. We are every bit as vulnerable to worship the creation instead of the creator. And when we do, all of our life starts to turn upside down. 
In his book, Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller asks, what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give. That's an idol. No, it's not some ancient statue. It's an idol. Are you beginning to form a list? You see, we, we trust these other things. There's another great thinker who says there are four categories of idols, idols that we make. Idols are things that entice us. We're drawn to them. Idols are things that we fear. We're scared of them. We think they're too powerful. They're more powerful than us. Idols are things that we trust and things that we need. We could go deeper into any one of those categories what entices you? What do you fear? Where do you put your trust? Where do you run? I wonder if you are beginning to wonder if there may be something in your life, in your heart, competing for space with the one true and living God. You say, no, 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 I don't worship money. No, I don't. Of course not. Are you ready to be without all of it? I don't worship my title. I don't worship my status. I don't worship what, I, what I've become and what people think of me. Are you ready to be made nothing for Jesus? Friends, these idols, they creep into our lives and they are pernicious. And we have to root them out. Billy Graham said, give me five minutes with your checkbook and I'll tell you where your heart is. Are you forming a list? Are you being honest? Is there anything to which you're turning other than Jesus? Can we, can we be honest with ourselves and think, Lord, there may be something competing for space. Let me tell you, you've got to break the idols or the idols will break you. Habakkuk saw it, if your Bibles are open, he saw it in the evil and the arrogant one that he teaches about in chapter one. In chapter one, there's a foe on the stage, an arrogant person who knew how to use his net. He knew, knew how to use his net to attack those around him. He gathered them up like fish. People were like fish. And he consumed the righteous. He profited from the weak. He ate up the unsuspecting with his net. And so what does he do? Chapter 1, verse 16, it says, therefore, he sacrifices to his what? To his net. He burns incense to his dragnet, for by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Friends, it is not hard for us to start to worship the thing that brings us success. The means and the mechanisms that propel us into luxury. The thing that, that provides for us, that makes us comfortable, that makes us feel secure. But watch what happens now. Watch. The idol that promises freedom claps him in chains. In chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, says, see, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. We talked about that last week. And on it goes, indeed, wine betrays him. It promises one thing and it delivers another. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave. 
and like death, is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations, takes captive all the peoples. But what's going on in his heart? He's greedy as the grave. Like death, he's never satisfied. It says he could cast that net over all the peoples. He could capture all the peoples, all the nations of the world. It's a fantastic net. It works superbly. It does exactly what it was designed to do. But the more he casts it, the more he uses it, the more he relies on it, the more that he uses his, his modes and his means, his talents and his gifts to conquer those around him, to, to capture the unsuspecting, to make a profit of those who are weak and vulnerable, the more he does it, the more he wants to do it. You see, because he's worshiping a false god, and that false god is opening up a grave inside his own soul. And like death, it is never satisfied. And he's as greedy as the grave And the wine just makes them want more wine. And the success just makes them want more success. And the victory just makes them want more victory. And the power just makes them want more power. And he is clapped in chains with an aching need in his soul that will never be satisfied. Break the idols. Before the idols break you, We're quick to praise anything but God for our successes. We're quick to turn to anything but God in our distress. We worship our nets. We say, I know I can get away with using just my charisma. I always lean on my family name. I always lean on my intelligence or my strength to get me out of it. When it comes down to it, I can always rely on this. I can always rely on that. And you know what? We don't need to build shrines or erect sanctuaries to worship these things. We worship these things every time we rely on them apart from God and without giving glory to him for having given us these talents in the first place. Friends, don't worship your nets. Idols, you see, they promise much and they deliver little. Idols work on the law of diminishing returns. They demand more and more and they deliver less and less until you're clapped in chains before a silent God who will not let you go. Gain these gods and they will never satisfy you. Betray these gods and they will never forgive you. Friends, break the idols. We learned at the beginning of our series that Habakkuk's ministry was at a very, a very dangerous time and a sad time in history when the people of God were acting just like every other people on the face of the planet. They were, they were worshiping the stars and they were worshiping the, the fields that were bringing produce to them. They were worshiping the mountains for being strong and, and just doing everything as though they didn't know that God was in heaven at all. They were uh, worshiping fertility gods and, and even performing rituals and rites. And they even got to the point there was a false god that demanded human sacrifice of children. And the people of God, the people of God's own choosing, had gotten to such a pitch of confusion that when this false God demanded their children, they were ready to cast them into the flame. Can you imagine? How do you get to a place in your life where the the next rational step is to cast your child into destruction, to try to make some false god do what you want it to do for you. Well, let me tell you, you don't get there in one step. It's bit by bit 
little by little. The devil, he doesn't make a deal for a soul in one transaction. No, he purchases on the installment plan. Just a little bit here, a little bit there, until he has a controlling interest and can hold you down. Nobody thinks, I'd like to sacrifice my children for my success. Bit by bit, little by little, the decision by decision, the child's left behind. This is more important. These priorities are higher. No one decides when they're young and in love to make a divorce. I've never had a young couple come before me and say their vows and say, and, and we intend to create a divorce. No. Bit by bit, little by little, step by step, he seems more interesting, she seems more enticing, the marriage, it, you see. When you cast your heart towards synthetic hope, the fake stuff never satisfies and it draws you closer and closer to it. It looks good at first and then it asks more and more of you for the same result. A little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more from you here. And like the grave, it's never satisfied. Idols are not neutral things, friends. These are not neutral things to have in your life. They clap your soul in chains, chains that you hardly notice until you try to walk away. Don't chase after synthetic hope. Don't submit yourself to false gods. Don't drive after that which will not satisfy. You need more than synthetic hope. You deserve more than captivity to man-made gods. Break the idols before the idols break you. Amen? Now let me give you a hammer. What's the last time you took a whack at one of these chains? Let me give you a hammer. Habakkuk 2.20. Church, let's say this together. One voice. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. The Lord. Who is worthy of worship? Who actually is worthy of our adoration and praise? To whom can we send our devotion and our love and give glory where it is actually due? The Lord is in his holy temple. He is not a synthetic hope. He is not a false God. He is not a, a promise that never satisfies. Where does our praise actually belong? It belongs to the Lord. To the Lord. There is only one who to worship him is right. There's only one who to serve him is freedom. There is only one who to give him your life, he doesn't lay chains over your shoulders, he breaks the chains and sets you free. That one, friends, is Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ. The Lord is in his temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. The temple is the meeting place with God, the place to meet with the one true God. Now that temple is in Jesus Christ. By his life and death and resurrection, we know the Lord. We worship in the presence of the Lord. We have him indwelling in us and with us because we know him in Jesus. The Lord is in his temple and he is drawing you near. Let all the earth keep silent before him. 
Don't go after synthetic hope. Don't go after false promises, the, the, the gods made by men. These man-made gods promise and never deliver. They steal your life bit by bit. No, no. Worship the living God who sent his son. Who do you choose? A God who demands greater and greater sacrifices and never delivers a single promise? Or the God who delivered his son, sent his son on your behalf to be the one eternal and perfect sacrifice to make all the promises of God good for you. Who do you choose this day? The Lord is in his temple. Some chase synthetic hope on Black Friday. They're after something, there's a need, and they chase synthetic hope. Others just go out and get a great bargain. Is that anybody? You've got the alarm set already? Go get it. Tell you. Get a great bargain. 30, 40% off. More for the church. That's what I figure. <laughs> Have fun. Don't chase false gods. Don't get hooked up in synthetic hope. Give thanks. Give thanks to the one true and living God. He's in his temple. Give thanks. Live in a posture of gratitude. Get together as you're able on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, and give thanks to God for all that he has given us. Come to the temple. Come to worship and give thanks and praise to the Lord God. Give the thanks and praise that's due his name. I read an article this week that there are 28 benefits to being grateful. 28 benefits to saying thanks. You can think of these things. They're things like this, happiness, psychological health, positivity, self-esteem, less uh, suicidal tendencies, greater popularity, enhanced romantic relationships. <laughs> now you're listening. Better friendships, increased social support, deeper spiritual uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. spirituality, greater generosity, <gasps> reduced materialism, optimism, patience, better decision-making, less stress, reduced blood pressure, better sleep, energized exercise, faster recovery, all from saying thanks. All from saying thanks. I think we ought to say thanks and live in a position of gratitude, not chasing synthetic hope, not, not chasing after false gods that demand all and deliver nothing, not clapped in chains before a face of stone, in our desperation of need with the ache of the grave opening up inside of us. No, no, no. There is a God. There is a Lord seated in his temple, and he is here. Let all earth sit in silence before him. The silence. The silence of awe and reverence of who God is. The silence of worship. The silence of of submission, saying, God, all that I am is yours. You see, silence. Not, not come in and, and perform, not come in and do your dance. Sit in silence before the living God. The silence that says, Lord, I'm yours, I belong to you, a silence of expectation. That, Lord, you have a vision for my life. All I want is what you want. I worship you. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Friends, worship the Lord in the beauty 
of his holiness. Let all creation tremble before him. Worship the Lord with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, there is so much competing in our lives, so many places when we're honest that we turn our hope, so many directions that we reach out to grasp in times of need when the world feels shaky. Lord Jesus, be with us. The Lord is in his temple, and we know you are here. Be close to us, be near to us, and help us to see you and believe in you and trust in you fully and wholly above all else. Lord God, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.